Welcome, welcome. My name is Leota Johnson. And I'm Brianka Wright. And this is Higher Unlearning. The space where we analyze and reflect different concepts and structures which affect Blackness. So... The name of this episode, as y'all might see, is Black Jesus. You might look at it like, what is what does that mean? We are talking about the white savior complex. Uh, we're also talking about the complex, the industry, movies. We're kind of diving into that and also how it affected like blackness, but also whiteness and white people being in black spaces and taking up black spaces and telling black stories. As always, we have a quote. This quote is actually by the the man who coined the phrase the white savior industrial complex and his quote is the white savior industrial complex is not about justice it's about having a big emotional experience that validates privilege he said that that's that's what he said (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to take myself somewhat out of myself and like my experiences in order to have this conversation because i want to be able to look at this from like a an unbiased perspective especially since we have worked in different organizations and different spaces that have kind of embodied the white savior complex. It's really difficult to speak on it just for what it is versus how I've seen it acted out. So realistically, you know, what's this episode seven? We had six episodes before (laughs) this really same. Like, yes, a lot of them are objective. Facts are objective, but our experiences are our experiences. Right. So we were in that. We were we were we were in there. So you know, it's hard to have this conversation without really diving in how being in those spaces that were created by white savior organizations, like how that affected like the work that we did, the experience that surrounded us, mm-hmm. the influence that it had on our actual careers. Like, right? It's that, and even when we talk about the all right, movie, then. So I'm just <laughs> just gonna be blunt then. Um, the part of the quote where he's saying. It's a big emotional experience that validates privilege. I feel as though white guilt has been like an overarching theme when it comes to white people inserting themselves into black spaces. And I'm I'm not saying that every white person is doing that because they feel that guilt or that need to correct a wrongdoing. Some people are genuinely wanting to just help Mm -hmm. and serve, but I can't overlook the fact that so many people are wanting to try to uplift Black communities simply for their own satisfaction, their own gratification. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah, that's a word. So being that we've been in spaces that kind of create a white savior, I wouldn't say the organization itself is a white savior complex organization, but it definitely creates the ability to... Was it... But... I will say the whole organization is a white savior organization. Does it, like you said, it, it does not take away the good work that they do. And it does not take away the good intention that some of like a lot of the parties have. But at right. the end of the day, the way that the organization is structured, it is structured to coddle and protect white feelings versus really acknowledging black experience. Okay. But was it created with that sense or has it kind of cultivated that space over time because of who's running it well just looking at the founders two you know a bunch of old i never met them okay i have the old white man 
from from Harvard University, went to Harvard Law School, took the opportunity to like, hey, I want to give back again. So a lot, I feel like, especially with the organizations, you know, the movies might be a little bit more ill intent. The older movies might be a little bit more ill intent. Newer movies, I don't feel like are as ill intent, but so the intent can still be good. With so like they created the intent to want to do good, but who are the people who are benefit like truly benefiting from these spaces? Because when you look at the leaderships of these organizations who are making a lot of money from it, they're white. When you look at the even the the young people when they first started, there were not that many black people, if any black people, who were serving. It was white people who was going into these communities and serving. So it's it's like whether or not the intent of it was to create a white savior organization, the actuality and the action of it and like the execution of it reinforced the white savior complex. I can't even argue with you on that one. <laughs> I just didn't want it to be one. I, w- I really wanted it to be, this is me just trying to justify mm-hmm. what I saw. You know, I really wanted it to be that the people who were serving with me had that complex versus the organization itself creating that complex and then those people just thriving in that space. But I know that's not... Uh, <laughs> Listen. That's not the reality of the situation, unfortunately. Okay, so what what would it look like for an organization that is majority white to go into these different spaces and it not be that white savior complex? It really is them trying to do good and, and uplift a community. What would that look like? Or how would you how would you differentiate that from an organization that does have a white savior complex? So the complex itself like I said, it's not always intentional, right. right? So I don't think those are two separate ideas. Like you can still have the intent to go in to truly, truly do good and have this good effects and all this, and have this benefit, build up the black community and things like that. Like that can all still be true, but until within your organization you alter and you one you have to acknowledge the the things that you are doing to perpetrate and build up the white savior complex and then to actively start working towards making your organization not a white savior organization that's until those like actions start happening your organization will still have that that overarching like figure of being of operating within the industrial white complex like white savior complex okay well then that brings me to two more questions because ultimately we all serve Yes, we're like, I'm, I'm just going to speak for myself. I enjoy working with people and being able to see their growth, right? Mm-hmm. But part of the reason that I work with them is for selfish reasons, because I also get that sort of gratification from being able to see their growth, right? So understanding that that is somewhat human nature for us to do something with the intent of getting something in return, how can we then penalize people for ultimately doing the same thing. Like, what's the difference between me doing something for my own gratification, not not solely for my own gratification, but with the idea of I get something out of it mm-hmm. versus a white person doing the same thing? What's the difference? I, I would say the difference is how the parties move within those spaces, within those black spaces. Because mm-hmm. I can remember some, some of the people who served, not on my team, but some people who have served and I've interacted with before, who were so disconnected from the culture that they would make comments that someone had to check them on like regularly, or they were so set into their privilege that it literally created rifts and like 
even though they were doing service, you know, they were helping kids academically, you know, being mentors to some, the effects of the words and the the way that their privilege like showed in these spaces could have been damaging. Mm-hmm. So it's very like everyone has the opportunity, right? Like everyone has it's 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 there. Whether you're black or white, if you're into these spaces, you know, you you go in there to do good. Of course, we want that gratification back. But if you go in there to do good and we all have that opportunity in that space to kind of do some type of damaging, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, I guess it's, it's a difference between hist- like a historical aspect to it. I think history itself is really one of the biggest things of it. It's just like, who do you attribute the pain to? Or it's, I don't know, I think white people do get a, a harsher rep for it because they are white um, and coming into black mm-hmm. spaces. Because mm-hmm. there are black people who all has also served and have not been beneficial to the spaces that they've been in. But I, t- I can tell right. you that those people have been fired when there are other white people who should have been fired for embodying to their privilege who weren't. Okay. You touched on the historical aspect. So let's dive into that just a little bit. The Europeans. <laughs> I'm a... <laughs> I'm just flat out say that I'm not good at history. <laughs> So I'm going to give like a, a brief little overview and then I'm going to allow you to like kind of step in and give details where I may have missed. Okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> from what I remember of my history classes in, in high school, you know, Europeans went out and was trying to conquer, conquer land, conquer people. And they went out with three different intents. It was either to glorify God. It was either for gold or for glory. That, that's from my um, ninth grade world history class, Miss Brown. She taught me something. Nuggets. <laughs> Anywho, so with this idea of them exploring, getting lost, wandering, and, and ultimately trying to discover lands, they also took over different groups of people. And the, the first group of people that majority of history classes teach, again, it's a European perspective of history. That's another conversation, is with them taking over and conquering Native Americans. Native Americans were doing real good without the the help of Europeans. But, oh, they came over with the idea of like, oh, these are a savage group mm-hmm. of people. Let us help them. Let us aid them. Again, they didn't need the help. And as a result, it ended in, I don't know if this is the correct word, but it's the worst that's coming to my mind, a massacre of a group of people coming with pain and trauma and all these different things, then who would you say would be the next group of people that Europeans tried to take over? Well, I would even say that that because the Europeans come to America was one of the later expansions. So they originally went into Africa mm. first. They Okay, see, I had a, it, uh, the other way around in my head. Okay. So yeah, like they, because they, Africa you, like is pretty much connected to Europe. It's, it's right so, there. So they mm-hmm. expanded to Africa first and like the northern parts of Africa uh, before they got too deep into it, that's where they kind of begin the whole uh, colonialism and that they, okay. they started like laying their seeds and doing stuff there. So like the idea of slavery and things like that, that same mentality when they went to, when they got to the Americas and like these savages were the same mentalities that they had when they came into, they went to the jungles of Africa, they went to the, the right. savannas of Africa. They saw the people, the natives there as savages and they mm-hmm. had that same mentality of, of like, like I said, kind of purifying these people, right? Like, right. I'm bringing God, I'm bringing glory, I'm like, I'm bringing these things to these people, I'm civilizing these people. That That's literally been the mindset right. for so much. Even with slavery, when they use Christianity to justify it, but also they're saying that they're bringing structure to, to at the Africans. 
as a savage or a body of savage individuals who didn't have it before. Mm-hmm. So like the expansion to to the Americas was was based off the success that they seen from the colonialism yeah. in Africa. Gotcha. That was not how it was taught to me. It's never. It's never because they all they only want to tie in Europe's interaction with Africa through slavery, as if that was a brand new like that was just I'm gonna do this now to enhance. They've been like going into to different lands and expanding it into different cultures and things like that mm-hmm. to really like have that effect. Like that's the expansion. The confidence of expanding began with what they saw they could do in Africa. Mm-hmm. And to kind of give perspective, because I can understand to a certain extent, I don't understand everything, but I can understand the mindset of Europeans going into these places and deeming them as being uncivil uh, and and them wanting to ultimately enhance them. Now, the manner in which they went to about enhancing them, I don't agree with. But we all have some sort of judgment when it comes to looking at a group of people mm-hmm. who we deem as being different than us and putting different labels on them. And even us, us working with different groups of people and saying like, oh, like I feel like I can help them in this manner or that manner, we're still in essence judging them. So I understand that aspect. But the idea of coming into these different places, conquering them, again, is for their own gratification. Um, they're wanting to take over. They're wanting their resources. They're wanting them yeah. as people that I just can't, I can't agree with. I think it's most, it's just, I guess the for me it's it's the amount of dehumanizing aspect of the, especially in the earlier like the later times right so like thinking mm-hmm. of like they literally had zoos for Africans mm-hmm. they like shave Africans teeth like they did different things to one justify yes of you being a savage but also like this is so y'all are so different I need the rest of the world to see what y'all are doing type of thing and it's that same mentality I can't say the difference. I don't know why there's a difference, but like, and when they came to Africa, it seemed like a, a using like using Africans as a tool. When they came mm-hmm. to the Americas, it was a genocide. Yeah. Okay. Tool versus a genocide. So I definitely don't think I got this from any of my history classes. I probably read this somewhere. Africans had a lot of knowledge and skills, a skill set that the Europeans had never even been aware of. Like the idea of math, the idea of astronomy, the idea of medicine, bathing yourself. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many different things that Africans had to be able to teach the Europeans. So I can see how they saw them as as a tool, as a resource, whereas Native Americans, I still think that they probably had a skill set, too. I'm sure but it wasn't something that the Europeans deemed as them being useful in so i wonder what like during that time what what really separated the two of them because if this is a whole population of people that's been thriving all of this time mm-hmm. with their own skills like why didn't the europeans see them as still being resourceful <laughs> because they just a disclaimer we said this earlier but neither one of us are historians um this is not no. our field of study so we're wrong in any of this please let us know we want to we want to learn this is just based <laughs> off of things that we read we researched you know beforehand different classes that we might have taken x amount of years ago but this we're not historians i will say that the difference between so the resources in the land in africa like you have the golds you have the diamonds there's a lot of really valuable resources in the land that a lot of times they couldn't get to without the the people right in america mm-hmm. they just wanted the land 
They wanted the space. They wanted the land. And the people who were take the natives who were there were blocking that from that from them. Right. So they I feel like even though the natives did have their own benefits and their tools and, and reasons like ways that they can contribute and give to the Europeans. They were more of a barrier than anything because they still like they still held on to like they wanted that land. That is literally their land. And if the Europeans came mm-hmm. over and wanted if that's all they wanted was the land and not necessarily the resources within the land, you have to get the people mm-hmm. out of it. Okay. Again, not historian. This is just what makes sense to I me. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> I feel like it makes sense. Um <laughs> But if I'm wrong, let me know. I would love for a historian to just like lay out everything for us. <laughs> just like, give me whatever. Because I genuinely time want period. to know. Yeah, because this is not even on any like like hotel or anything like like old theories or whatever. Like this is just based like history from what I'm understanding from like even books that I've had to read in like when I was studying criminology. It was this is just different things and theories that I've heard. I wish I remember the name of the book. But I was taking a class called Crimes Against Humanity. And one of the books that we had to read was basically about how the Europeans was, I think they went to the Congo and how they treated the people there. And it was basically about colonialism and like spreading and things like that. And they were pretty much introducing that book as an example of a crime against humanity in -hmm. which like there's millions of people like literally just a genocide really of people and a dehumanization of people long term that has a long term effect in different areas I really wish I remember the name of the book if any of you do know what book I'm talking about please let me know the dude was on a river or something I didn't read the whole book <laughs> but I read enough to write an essay about it and remember he was on a river yes <laughs> that's college <laughs> even so like now that's kind of like talking about literature we have to, I guess we have to talk about how literature has been used as a justification for white perfect I mean white presence into black spaces or People mm-hmm. of color spaces, like, like just different spaces that aren't theirs. Uh, I can't speak on literature. I can speak on movies. <laughs> <laughs> movies are a form of literature. <laughs> literature through picture, <laughs> motion picture. <laughs> it's the fact that, especially within the arts, that it, this concept is so easily, sub, like, it's a subliminal message mm-hmm. in so many movies that we don't even realize it. A lot of people talk about Disney princess movies and just Disney movies in a, as a whole, right? Po- but when po- we're Pocahontas. growing up, we ain't had to put no names. <laughs> it's, it's listen. I love Disney movies. I genuinely do. Definitely do. Um, but there's been a huge shift in not only the idea of a princess waiting for her prince, but also people of color because it's not just black people of color mm. being their own saviors. Like Mulan. Yes. There are no white people in Mulan. Like, (laughs) her being able to fight for her family as a woman Mm -hmm. and as a woman of color is such a huge, and not even just fighting for her family, it's literally, she's fighting for her whole country. Like, her going off to this war, learning how to quote unquote be a man. (laughs) Not really, she just learned how to fight. And then, um, but they got a whole song, you know, I'm going to make a man out of you. Anywho, her being able to reach that status really was a huge shift Mm -hmm. in how Disney began to tell the narratives of being not only a woman, but a person of color. And then even then, Princess and the Frog. Princess and the Frog. Like Like, having a whole black woman as your protagonist. And she, mm -hmm. you know, didn't want any handouts. She worked hard. She had a job. Even her love interest didn't really become her love interest until like the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. There are, you know... I was just about to say, it plays into other stereotypes. It plays into other stereotypes. (laughs) But And also like, because you know, now there's this argument 
which when it comes to animation, they don't show black characters fully through a whole movie in animation. They've always transformed to something else. So you don't really get to see blackness in this form. You see a mm-hmm. black person who has been transformed to something else and is fighting within that new figure to to be great, I guess, or to make it through. I haven't only seen that in in, in black movies though. Cause just just sticking with Disney movies, did have what's the name of the movie? Have you seen Brave? Yes. Is it Brave? No, I have not. I I didn't know what it was about, so I just never watched it. Well, okay, because I just thought another movie, but I'll explain Brave. Mm-hmm. Brave is it's an Irish Scottish. Yep. <laughs> sound ignorant but i really oh one is from ireland one is from scotland i was about to say i don't know the difference yes i do i don't remember which one they have a really strong accent i don't know what where they're from but it's a family and it talks about the relationship between a daughter and a mother and they turn into bears the family turns into bears i'm gonna leave it at that because i don't want to spoil it for anyone else but i also thought of what i don't remember the name of the movie it's another bear movie. Brother Bear. Were they people before? Or yes. were they just... Well, one of them was. The older bear, he was a person first, and then he got transformed to a bear. Don't ask me why I know these. I love Disney movies. <laughs> no, that's not... I mean, I thought of it, too. I just couldn't think of the mm. name. So I'm there with you. Okay. But he was... He was a native. He was a person of color. Mm. All right, Disney. And it's like... We see you. Um, that's what the, the little candle... What's Pixar? So, uh, <laughs> it's a light. I thought you were talking about Beauty and the Beast, but okay, I'm with uh, you. But with Pixar is another example of um, they recently had a movie that came out, and the dude turned into a ghost, pretty much. Like he he is a black man, and I think he wanted to be a musician or something. I didn't watch the movie, but he wanted to be a musician. He fell in the whole, and then the whole movie, he's pretty much oh. a spirit. Will Smith just did a move, came out with a movie where he's a pigeon the whole movie. Like, yes, he, was a, he was a spy um, who turned into a pigeon the whole movie. I don't know the name of that movie, but I saw it. So it's like, yeah. all these spaces that have black anima- like animations, like the characters are black, they're not allowing the whole black character to be in the movie. They have to be turned to right. something else. And then at the end of the movie, I'm guessing they turn back because half the... They, they do. I wonder, like, what is what does that signify? What symbol... What symbolism are they trying to use with animals? Or, I guess, ghosts, because he was a spirit. That's... Can you think of... I not, don't know. I I don't know. I really don't know. I don't want to say... That, Is it the idea of being trapped? Like I, was, I don't want to say that they just simply don't want to depict Black cartoons, like a Black protagonist through an entire movie i don't want to say that i don't want to say that's the initial intent that they just that's purely it because if it's if it is that's that just takes mm-hmm. away so much like right. from from a lot of these stories maybe it's a justification for there not to be any white people in the movie or into some of these movies because princes of far there were it. white people but they weren't the focus right i i still truly see it as it being some sort of symbol like it's it's because mm-hmm. With the Will Smith movie, I don't remember what they were trying to do, but one of the people on his team created some sort of potion and he took it and he turned into a pigeon. And literally the whole movie, he's trying, he's still trying to be a secret agent as a pigeon and he's trying to get back to his normal self. Is it? And all of these movies that I'm thinking of, they're all trying to get back to their normal self. So is it a matter of being trapped? Or is it a matter of humbling? Or like, I don't need to be no animal for you to humble me. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Emperor's New Groove, right? Which I still, Ooh. I still depict him as a person of color. Yeah. So he literally was transferred to a llama to humble him. Like him being a llama 
the movie was the pretty much the process of him being humble and now becoming a better person, better king. So right. it's like, do people of color have to be transformed to something else before they are able to hit their their full potential? Like, do they have to be like downgraded? Because at like being from a, a woman to a frog, uh, a a king or prince to a llama to a major spy to a pigeon, like you are pretty much like at least in the realm of evolution, you're 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 downgrading. You're you're something less than human now. So like, do I have to dehumanize you first before you now become what you were supposed to be? Is it? Oh no, that's not. <laughs> I hope that. I hope you're wrong. I, I genuinely. I want to be wrong. wrong. I want to be wrong because I can't. Because that even that is has. Look at all the other like white savior movies where blackness is dehumanized and it takes a white person to come in and now I make you human again. Now we're human. <laughs> I love Disney too much for this. <laughs> okay, so now that we've ruined my childhood, <laughs> let's let's talk about like adult movies, I yeah. guess. Older movies. Um one of the first <sighs> ones that come to my mind is To Kill a Mockingbird. I never saw the movie. I read the book, but I never saw the movie. It's just the idea of a, the story of this man's a lawyer whose job mm-hmm. is he's a, a defense lawyer, defense attorney. His job is to defend people and he's getting praised for defending a black man, even though he lost. Yeah. And he and he still was praised even after losing. He the received case. praise even after he lost. And the whole movie is now depicting him as this hero because he's doing something that in modern times should really just be what he, uh, he beat a basic, like, just a nice person, like a regular decent human being would do. A decent human being would do their job as an attorney. Well, actually, as someone who's in law school, I'm not even going to... <laughs> I, was say, I, work, I work with attorneys. I'm and, not even uh, going to go in there. Not even going to say that. Not- <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, with that movie, book, whatever you're referencing, the time period mm-hmm. does play a huge role in that, one. Because I remember there was a part of the story where the attorney's son asks him like why are you mm-hmm. helping him or why are you defending him or so I don't remember the man's answer though I, that's the important part but I do remember her his son asking him and the idea of a white man defending a black man even if he did lose him being praised during that time is more a reflection of the time period and him being that white savior than I think the actual person. But all white savior movies are put in the past to make it seem like these ideas are so old and far gone. It wasn't written in the past. <laughs> no, that, but okay, yes, that's an old movie. That's an old movie, but thinking of The Help. The Help was not released that long ago, but it was still pushed back in the past. Like it's a movie depicted in the past. Hidden Figures is a history movie. These history movies that place white figures as the, the focus points and the heroes of the story is what the whole that's the justification of these of these white saviors, right? Because of this white man, because this this white person, now this black story is being told. And it's put in the past, so people who are watching it currently are like, Oh, I'm so glad we've came so far. Even though George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, we know we can we can go down the list. But yeah. Yeah. It's not, I already got trust issues, but you know. I'm trying to... Because even think... Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say, even thinking about, like, movies that I genuinely love, mm-hmm. it, it perpetuates this white savior complex. Like, one of my favorite movies is The King and I. Y'all, I love The King and I. And it's a story of a white woman. It's, it's a little bit of a twist because it's a white woman versus a white man. But she's still going to... China? She's going somewhere in Asia. And she's and she's working with the king and his family. And she's ultimately a teacher. And she is it's not the idea of 
her having to dehumanize. I don't think, I don't, at least I don't see it that way, but she definitely has to teach him how to be more soft and how to really see his children as his children versus them being future emperors of, of where they live. I don't, I don't want to say China just in case it's not China. I'm going to say Asia. So it's still the idea of a white person going into a space of people of color and having to teach them something. Why can't we teach ourselves? Like, I feel like we are a smart people. And that's, that's why this, this episode is called Black Jesus because mm-hmm. it's always a, a depiction of white people coming into black spaces or mm-hmm. like diversity of spaces of spaces of people of color and making their lives better saving them teaching them making them more whole now because this white person mm-hmm. has entered your space mm-hmm. i said this in an earlier episode but i was thinking about this so art depicts life and within that it's either even thinking about like the futuristic movies where technology is really advanced a lot of the things that are being portrayed in movies are things that people are actually working on current day. It's just not going to be released for, you know, 10, 15 years later down the line. So the idea of these movies having white people coming into spaces and having to teach or save or humble or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be, people of color, it's not it's not as old as people are thinking because the storyline may be old. It's still something that's happening current day. And because of that, it's sending a message to not only white people, but to the people of color that they have to rely on someone else who is a, a lighter skin tone to be able to get out of a predicament that they're currently in. And not only that, it's telling them that people who do look like them do not have the intelligence, mm-hmm. do not have the resources, do not have whatever that they're needing to be able to get themselves and each other out of their current predicament. Yeah. And these people are smart. They're smart. Because even, I can't remember his exact words, but the one of the directors from The Hidden Figures, so you know the boss wasn't a real person. Yeah. Like, he was a character pretty much created. There were scenes created to, I guess, for the story. Mm-hmm. But he said there needs to be a a person like a, a good white person in these in these spaces that white people can identify themselves with which is mm-hmm. the reason for same these thing characters the is they seem same thing with the help same thing with freedom writers the teacher wasn't even supposed mm-hmm. to be white the teacher was supposed to be a latina like right it's these same ideas that i'm and it's like is it encouraging white people to be nicer or to like be better or like like we've been saying is it to justify this them being in the spaces that they're already like in being in black spaces it's twofold it's twofold um, it's super. There are a lot of consequences that come with mm-hmm. them altering the narrative so that it appeases and um, makes it acceptable for a white person to be in these spaces. Yeah, so that when it happens in real life, it's okay. Oh, it's okay because I saw the yeah. teacher on Freedom yeah. Writers and she was so good with those kids. She had all these different activities. Or I saw, uh, I don't remember her name, but Baby Girl from The Help and she was really a huge advocate for, for black mm-hmm. women. They, she wanted their stories to be heard. So I know that this person being here is, is here to help. And it's crazy how, like, because a lot of those movies that we just named were pretty much like depictions of real stories. Like, they were, mm-hmm. like, aligned to true stories. So it's crazy how some of these true stories are being depicted and put out despite the me- the actual characters, like, the real people, despite how them or their family sees or, like, views or, like, the reality behind it all. Because the Green Book, Blindside mm-hmm. and Blindside and I was, I was like even that. in the help the the character that I believe Viola Davis played was based off 
a real woman and she had an issue about with her depiction so mm-hmm. it's like it's so much in these in these I just, yeah the, both the blind side and the help they depicted the the main black character as being more feeble mm-hmm. more more weak needy yeah more yes than than the actual person was and it was an issue for the actual human that they were trying to to depict in these movies yeah and then even with in the green book his family said he was not that disconnected from blackness but it only it made sense for that movie if you i want to make this if i want to humanize again because sometimes it's the movie itself is humanizing the white person who have different depiction because he's from the driver was from an Italian house household or Italian family, I believe, and had yeah. different racist ideologies and racist beliefs. It's many times that the movie was shaped so that even though this racist white, this man is racist or have racist ideals, it's humanizing him because he's doing this for a black, a black man who's disconnected from blackness. And they also no. they also used the white man to connect him to his blackness. <laughs> Not only did they use the white man to connect him to his blackness, but in order for him to break the racist ideals that he had in his head, the black man had to be more of an Anglo-Saxon mm-hmm. or more white light yeah. for him to see like, oh, way I'm thinking is wrong. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-mm. And I feel like that's why... I'm not watching TV anymore. <laughs> but it's... All of these, like, whether I love in the last, I get, I'm going to say about last three to four years, all the black directors, all the black EPs, producers, and all these black stories that are coming along that are truly depicting blackness. And not, I wouldn't want to say fully, tr- like, because a lot of it is, like, along the line of black, black trauma. And I am tired of seeing black trauma movies. But yeah. there are stories that want, that needs to be told. The Exonerated Five. Um, and when 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 they see us. Like, that's a story that yes. had and definitely should have been told. And there was no white savior in that movie. Like, crazy enough, like, the movie don't even have a quote-unquote happy ending. And a lot of black stories don't have happy endings because... The, the fight is not done like right. the the work itself is not done but it's so important to see these black people showing and telling their stories and living within their stories in the in their fullness in the blackness mm-hmm. and you probably wonder why we so like african out today uh for this episode and it's kind of in homage to to chadwick boseman one of his most legendary roles of course is black panther but he himself has played so many more legendary roles within that where he is a black man who is fighting and has has personal trauma and is fighting through that but despite everything has still made he's played so many black heroes not just superheroes but black heroes from thurgood marshall jackie robinson james brown this man has has had this space and so many black lives, he's in it like he had been able to have that example of what black people can be and what black people are, and like the heroes that we can be in our own stories and like the impact that we can have in our own communities. He's done that with these roles, and it's so appreciated. Definitely, definitely just a art that is missed in a, in a depiction that would be missed. Yes, I'm I'm so thankful for not only, you know, Chadwick Boseman's work, mm-hmm. but just black artists in general because it has when you are able to see black people on the screen told from the perspective of black people, mm-hmm. it's completely different. Like I one of my favorite TV shows growing up was The Proud Family. Yeah. Definitely. And that being a black family, black voices, a black writer, black director 
it was such a crucial part of animation for them to for there to be a black family. And then fast forwarding, you have um, or fast forward or rewind, depend how you look at it. Having Spike Lee, Jordan Peele, like their artwork, seeing black people from the black perspective, like you can't ask for anything more. And that that goes for every every race, every culture. Like everyone mm-hmm. should be have the freedom and the representation to hear their story from the mouths of people who look like them. And that's not even the idea of race and cultures being a monolith, but me trying to tell a story of a white person, the, an experience that I will never understand because I'm not white, it wouldn't, it doesn't even make logical sense. And then same vice versa. I'm always going to be depicted as, as a Black woman. I'm either put into a box of me needing the help or the aid of a Black man, I mean, a white man, or I'm so strong and I'm so independent that I don't need anybody. When in reality, I don't fit into either of those boxes. So my story could never be told from a perspective of somebody else. And even beyond that, because like, like earlier I was saying how I'm tired of the Black trauma movies. Like, I don't want every movie I want to see that... I don't want every movie to go... When I want to go see myself, I have to see myself going through something. Like I have to see myself dealing with police brutality or have to deal with racism or have to deal with um poverty. Some people, some black people, that's their everyday life. So some people want to go see a movie that they get to see something else, another story, another... Can I just be a black... Super- that's why, like, Chadwick Boseman, his portrayal of Black Panther was so important because black little black boys even black girls because even the the women characters in the movie was able to see themselves in a as a hero like as something so it's it's big and it literally planted seeds of hope for like across the nation for these different ideas of like i i can be a hero i have a now i have a superhero that i get to dress up as and want to be like on halloween like i don't have to like try to be iron man or have to be a spider-man like I have a hero for myself right. that looks like me and like is a king. Like I have that is and just these depictions that are otherworldly, but also really appreciative because even if it's fantasy, it's still seeing black people in like in different realms in different spaces. Mm-hmm. That's why I I do appreciate like Jordan Peele's like putting black people in horror movies because because his some of his movies. Well, Get Out was a baseball race like that was a race movie, but us like that movie that could have been white people like it was just the story wasn't solely like circled around the fact that they were they were they were black Mm -hmm. it was a story a good story a horror movie that was actually had those like it it told stories it like it showed depictions it it gave characters death yes like outside of trauma it gave characters death it gave them like it was so much it's so beautiful and i i love seeing black people have these stories outside of trauma and outside of i guess just the woes because especially in 20 well all of our lives but especially this last year it has been very hard to be black we lost a lot of heroes we lost like we constantly seen like deaths in media and stuff like that so like these moments of having i guess black depictions that are like are happy are joyful are powerful are strong are like you know fathers are can fly you know are magical are so important because it's a kind of like a a breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. in a midst of a time and like a life that can be very heavy and very emotional sometimes Mm -hmm. stepping out of movies and literature and kind of i guess re-emerging into current day trauma 
what does it look like for us to be our own savior? And within that, what does it look like when we see white people kind of existing in the in that white savior complex? How do we check them? How do we check someone's privilege? First, to check someone's privilege, they have to acknowledge it. A lot of people, and it's literally little stuff that you can that you have to be able to acknowledge like uh, for example a lot of black men don't think they have privilege because they black men and then you see the depiction of black men being like you know the story of black men being killed in the streets mm-hmm. and black men are like uh, public enemy number one when it's that for our story to be the ones to be told is a privilege because black women black trans women like there's so many other like communities within blackness who are also marginalized in our attacks but black men are highlighted that's a privilege so it's you have to be able to identify your privilege first before anyone's like it's like trying to check someone of their privilege hard because privilege is something that you have to internally like and introspectively identify. Like you have to be able to say for myself, okay, I can acknowledge I have this type of privilege. Then when you acknowledge that, then you have to learn how to utilize your privilege for the better of the people around you. Okay. What about the first part? Or how, not? Go ahead. I would say not only just the people around you, but also the just overall community. Right. Just, how do we become our own saviors? A lot of it is representation. I guess seeing faces that look like ours in spaces that we don't think we can be in. Also reaching back and pouring back into, I don't know, like, because there are a lot of really great Black organizations that are mentoring, that are are building up, that are training, that are coaching. It's, it's a lot of Black, like, Black people who are doing that work. I don't know. I just don't know why it's not as highlighted as or why it's not on, on a national scale as some of these other like white savior organizations that have literally gained national recognition, sometimes international recognition. It has to believe that black people can like black people can be our own saviors. It We have to believe that and like really kind of see like see ourselves in that light other than just the ones who need help. Mm-hmm. I, I want to touch on why you said or what you said about why these other organizations have pretty much bigger platforms. One, it has to do with the longevity of these programs. Because if you think about it, some of the longest still standing organizations within the black community, such as like fraternities and sororities, the NAACP, those do have a broader reach. But within our history, we've only been able to really start having platforms and organizations for ourselves within the past, I'm not even going to say a number because like I said, I'm not a historian and I have no concept of time. <laughs> but thinking about the amount of resources, the amount of funding, the the networking connections that we have, the ability to really pull a team of people together who are like-minded and then tap into everyone's own circle of like their, their network, their finances, all of that. That's more of a recent being. So for us to be able to reach the heights of being national and international, it's going. we have to wait. We have to give ourselves that time, that space to be able to build stuff. But on the same token with, and I hate to say this, but within the Black community, we also have to understand, we have to get back to the idea of community and the idea of mm-hmm. really working together for a common goal. Like I don't have to do, be doing the same thing that you're doing by myself. We can work on it together. And what's that saying where like if I if I go alone, it's gonna take longer. If I go, <laughs> I probably butchered the whole thing. <laughs> it's, it's 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 the idea of me going by myself is going to be longer. It's gonna take longer. 
is I'm going to go through more obstacles. But if I go, if we go together, then it's a better chance of us actually being able to achieve. And we have to be able to adopt that mindset along with being able to see ourselves as worthy and in need of elevation by ourselves. Yeah, because it's like we have to put those images out there. We have to we have to do that work because these movies telling black stories have been going on for the longest Mm -hmm. and we see how those are happening you know a lot of these are really good movies a lot of the movies that we named are really good movies Mm -hmm. a lot of the organizations are doing really good work making huge impacts because even though the organization that we worked for was in my eyes as a white savior organization Mm -hmm. i know at least I can say I was able to like really thrive in that space. I was able to be very successful and I was able to really have a, a strong impact in, in the, in the space I worked in. Mm-hmm. So there's aspects of these, of all of this that are good. There's benefits of it. Right. And it's like, it's good, but being a part of it and knowing of it, like knowing about it, you have to be able to analyze it deeper and to be able to be critical so it can be better. Mm-hmm. But it's like, do you put your energy into trying to make something like that better or Am I just going to put my energy into my own and do my own for my own? That's a difficult question. It's a, that's an important question, but it's a very difficult question because doing it on your own, like I kind of, yeah. this might contradict what, I'm about, what I just said, but <laughs> it makes sense to me. So allow me to explain. So being able to do it for your own, that's why HBCUs were created, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to have a space where you're taught by people who look like you, you're taught your history, you're taught the world from the Black perspective is is important. But also being able to step into these spaces and criticize or critique, I should say, how white people are trying to move in Black spaces is just as 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 crucial. But the amount of work and effort that I would have to do to be able to, to get you to acknowledge how your organization or how you as an individual is functioning in a manner that is detrimental or hurting a a specific population is going to take me longer potentially than if I were to just do it myself. They each come with their own hurdles, their own obstacles. It's just like, what race do you want to run? Yeah. And that's, I, I guess it also goes to the idea or the argument how some people, some black people feel like we don't need white allies. Like they feel like the black community can better yes, we do. <laughs> themselves. And it does like, it's, I've heard the argument when people was like, you know, black people just do, need to do it on our own. Like let us, like no one's going to save us type of thing. Like we have to do it on our own. And that, I feel like that's the same type of thing. Like the argument is like, do you really want, do we need to just do it on our own? Do we really, do we need white allies? I think there is an importance of white of ally, like allyship to be able to be in spaces that we aren't in and be able to have that same message, even if, if it's not. That's what's dangerous about that is like you're is a third party at that point translating a message. So unless you're literally taking my words and like presenting them, or you're bringing me into this space with you because you have the opportunity, that's that's different. But all of this is hard. Um, all of this is is a lot. And it's not a one conversation type of thing. There's no one right answer to anything. Yeah, to, to any things. You liking in these movies don't make you a bad black person or a, like a bad a white, white person. person. Or, I was, yeah, yeah. or a bad white person. Because, again, these are pretty good. Like, I love Freedom Riders. That's a great movie. 
my mom's favorite movie is Avatar. It is a white favorite movie. <laughs> but it's like, we also, like, being able to critically critique and think about these things and the effects they have. And again, this is just a platform to open up discussion, dialogue. Again, if we said anything wrong throughout any of this, let us know because we don't know everything. Historians, please. Please. <laughs> Tap in. <laughs> Tap in, please. Because we want to know. Like always, with every episode, we have a question. This question, we kind of dabbled on it, which was, uh, what is your favorite white savior movie? <laughs> so, you know, in the comments, DMs, however you want to reach us, let us know what your favorite white savior movie is. And if you don't think it's a white savior movie, let us know, too. You know, let us know. Let me hear the points. You know, some of them might not see Avatar as a white savior movie, even though it's a white man who goes into a, a native environment and try to is there one in a person who saves them for bringing down their tree and their whole nation but that's just my argument that's just my depiction but at the end of the movie didn't they save him they did they did sort of yeah and they tried to save the the white woman it's still a white it's it's, <laughs> it's still a white it's a white saving movie but i digress thank you all for listening to this episode i i again historians please teach me something because I, I, history was my least favorite and worst performing subject <laughs> in, in high school. So please let us know like if we said anything that was wrong or if you interpret anything that we said a little bit differently. Let us know your favorite white savior movie. And let us know if you've experienced any of the same concerns that we have when working with white savior organizations. With all that being said, if all hearts and minds are clear, there are no more questions, comments, concerns. Good. <laughs> we love you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Higher Unlearning. We'll see you next time. Peace. I got, I got, I got, I got. Loyalty, got loyalty inside my DNA. No 